Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. On today's show, we're going to be discussing astrology and how some of the upcoming aspects will affect your life. Joining us today is Jennifer Edwards, an astrologer, esthetician, and soul purpose coach. She runs Thank Goddess in South Portland, Maine, where she blends Reiki, astrology, sacred geometry, and manifestation to help people raise their vibrations and rediscover the sacred within. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jen. Thank you, Samantha. I'm so happy to be here. We are too. So where should we start? There's so much going on in astrology this summer alone. Where do you want to start us off with some of the major influences happening? Oh, I think with my clients, as soon as they walk in the door, we start talking about the eclipses because the eclipses this summer are something else. And that's for sure. Are you guys aware of what's, uh, what's, what's coming in the next week? I know it's in July and it's intense and that's about the extent of my knowledge. Yes, it is in July and it is intense. Um, we're going to be having a solar eclipse on the 2nd of July and in the Eastern time zone, it'll be at 2.35 in the afternoon. And if the weather's nice, we should be able to see it from what I understand. Uh, make sure you have glasses though, because you never want to stare at the sun. When we have a solar eclipse, that means new beginnings. And so this particular eclipse in Cancer, it's a very feminine sign. I think motherly cancer rules the fourth house. So depending where that lands in your chart, it kind of takes on its own um, meaning behind it. But in general, because cancer is a home and family sign, you can see new beginnings in that time. There may be new pregnancies or new, new announcements, but new beginnings happen during eclipses. And generally what happens is that if you've been putting something on the back burner, uh, eclipses come in and kind of say, uh-uh-uh, we're going to make some change. And so that's what kind of makes people feel a little uncomfortable about them coming. But when we learn how to sort of ebb and flow with the tides, they work with us. And shortly after that, on July 16th, we'll have a lunar eclipse. Lunar is endings, but also sort of when, when one door closes, another opens. So it's kind of like opening for beginnings but that'll be at 24 degrees Capricorn. Our, our signs that we're running through with the eclipses this year in 2019 are uh, Capricorn and Cancer. And so if Cancer rules the fourth house, Capricorn rules the 10th house, which is career, what we're doing in our life direction. Um, but again, depending on where that lands in your personal chart, it takes on a whole new meaning. When By the time we come through the end of this, it's usually six months on either side. We'll kind of have answers on each side of what this means to us. And while this is happening, the solar eclipse that's happening in the next week is going to be before the Mercury retrograde. And then the um, eclipse that's happening on July 16th will be during the retrograde. So that kind of takes on a whole new flavor. So whatever was happening back in January... When we had the solar eclipse, it was January 5th, we had the solar eclipse in Capricorn, we're going to see a culmination of the events that were started there. The ending or the reward of our efforts will happen on the 16th. And usually when it happens during a retrograde, we can always look back at like past accomplishments or things that happened in the past for a culmination of an event. So we started off the year with a lot of super moons. Yes, we did. 
And now and we're in the summer with these big intense eclipses. Are those connected? They are. Actually, we have about four or five eclipses that are that, that we have each year. And they're always connected to each other. So whenever we have a new moon, in six months we have the connected full moon. So it's like beginning and then six months later the ending. And so at the beginning of the year, some of those supermoons were eclipses as well. So if we look back to January 5th, we had a solar eclipse in uh, Capricorn. You would see the ending to that. So a lot of big energy at the beginning of the year it was kind of waking us up at the change that we needed to bring into our lives. Uh, astrology is about using the energy that you have presented with you and using it in a way that's conducive to achieving your life's purpose or your goals. When we work against those energies, the universe tends to shake things up so that way we can continue on a direction that's true to us, karmically true to us, um, rather than sort of like living a lie. Does that make sense? That makes it perfect does. sense. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, thank you for validating about the new moon to the full moon, because for years I used to say, oh, initiate on the new, culminate on the full. And I never realized you had to wait the six months. I thought it was like, oh, two weeks, this is going to come to fruition. And it is, it's a longer process. So when we do set these intentions, it's so cyclical as far as, can you expound on that a little bit more? When I do a lot of ritualing with clients, um, you know, there is short-term and long-term goals. And so when we are looking at planting a seed, it never really takes two weeks for that to sort of culminate. But the energy that we have between the moon cycles, um, if, I, if you do a new moon ritual and bringing in intentions, and then you sort of move through the waxing uh, moon cycle to the full moon and its culmination, you can work in small increments or you can work in the bigger picture. You know, whenever I work with the moon cycles, it you know, it's really dependent on the sign that it's in. And so you want to take advantage of the waxing cycle in a sign to the waning cycle in a sign. Um, back to the six-month culmination, you set a goal, you water the plant, you feed the plant, and at the end you get the reward. And that's kind of how it works. You can work with the smaller aspects, but you're only going to get smaller rewards. The bigger aspects, you get the bigger rewards. That makes perfect sense. So with the lunar eclipse at the end of the month, I heard endings and rewards. So would people look at endings and rewards in terms of what began six months ago? Yes. Okay. You would look back to... You would look back to uh, January 5th when we, had the, when we had the solar eclipse, which would be a new moon, uh, a super new moon. You would look to what was initiated then to what the rewards would be on the 16th of July. And another part of eclipses, which is incredibly interesting, that I discovered within the past five years, and is pretty accurate because with a lot of things, you know, if I see something... I'll go back and I, I think, I wonder what was going on 19 years ago. And sure enough, it always meets up. But the lunar nodes um, are in the same place that they were 19 years ago for every eclipse. So with that being said, we tend to get the same lessons over and over again until we learn them. Sometimes it takes a little bit of, uh, digger, of deeper digging in order to figure out exactly what that lesson is because we're guided by detail, ever, uh, you know, disguised by details, but 
every so every 19 years you would so you'd look back to the year 2000 and think what was going on the summer of 2000 while these eclipses were happening there in Cancer Capricorn the planets are all in different places so it's not going to be exactly the same but the undertone is is the same so if we were to look back and there was a tumultuous relationship that we went through in the year 2000 in July 2000 you know look at your relationships now are you going outside of yourself for validation are you able to validate inside yourself is that what the lesson is that the universe wants to convey so that way you can continue on your sole purpose a lot of times people will get stuck in the details uh, of of what the message is when really what it is is for you to sort of grow and continue to evolve on your journey so if it was like 2000 was a really really good year for me Mm. Would that mean that this is uh, moving into a really, really good time? Is it that simple or is it more about patterns of relationships? Well, it really has to do with what, was, what your chart looks like, but it can be that simple. Um, it, can, it doesn't necessarily have to be patterns in relationships. It could be patterns in jobs. I'll give you myself as an example. Uh, in the year 2000, um, I was a, I think I was 22, um, but I had, I had left... I had left a major corporation at a, at a young age and everybody thought I was crazy. And I ended up working for a chiropractor and I was very happy and I made those life, life changes. Uh, I, I also, a lot of my teachers came forward that year. Let's fast forward to this year. Um, I left a company for, after being there for 15 years and everybody thought I was crazy <laughs> to pursue my, my love, my love and my sole purpose and I'm the happiest I've ever been. So it's the, it's those, it's following your heart, you know, paying attention to the messages. Um, if you had a good year back in 2000, what were you doing? What was the, you know, is there any common factor? A lot of times people, it'll, it'll go back to like relationships, endings or beginnings, why they were in relationships. I think a lot of times it, it goes back to like fear did you not take that chance back then? And, and now all of a sudden you have another chance for something that's kind of close to it. Is it time for you to take that chance on yourself now? It's those kind of things that are presented to us. It's uh, so spot on with where I am in my life right now to 2000 as far as releasing the past and getting ready for big new beginnings. And I was just sitting here thinking as you were speaking about this that it's so amazing how closely it correlates where I was 19 years ago and where I am now. It's pretty mm. interesting stuff. Mm. Yeah. The same here. You know, it's funny with, uh, I'll be talking with people and you know, 2000 was really uh, a cornerstone year for a lot of people. You know, you think back to Y2K, especially mm -hmm. in, my, in my age group, you know, we reach a certain age and we start to get through these milestones that all of us share generationally. And, you know, people in their 40s, um, when they were in their 20s, you know, 19 years ago, now we're starting to go through like the Uranus opposition, which happens in your 40s. And that's kind of like a midlife sort of crisis. And you're kind of, it's, it's like looking back and thinking, you know, what would have happened if I had taken that chance, you know, and now finally, you're given the opportunity to take that chance again. But will you, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. What can people do to prepare for these eclipses or make them more of a positive influence on their life? Um, yeah, I was going to say run. No, I was kidding. 
I like to kind of, uh, when I come into an eclipse season, uh, I like to kind of reflect. I, I, I would like to say that I like to do journaling every day. That isn't necessarily the case. We all get pretty busy. But, you know, it's very important when we come into intense energy, especially with the eclipses. We've, we've been feeling these eclipses for about a month. I don't know if you guys have felt like baseline anxiety or just sort of like a little uneasiness or things seem a little bit strange, but um, we start picking up on this energy as much as like uh, as much as uh, two months in advance. But as it gets closer, it starts to get more strong. I like to tell people to sort of breathe deeply. Don't react immediately. You know, give yourself the space to kind of feel. You know how you're feeling. Um, a lot of times with eclipsed energy, it brings about an intensity like water boiling or a pressure cooker. And a lot of times when we say things um, impulsively, we can't take them back. And so this really isn't a time of, uh, um, this really isn't a time to encourage being impulsive. We were talking about how it's great to take that chance, but sit with it. You know, it, whatever you do during this period, you, just remember you can't really take it back once it's out there. And that's the advice that I kind of give people through any astrological transit that seems to be really intense. And, you know, with the moon, the moon, whenever it goes through anything, as we know with full moons and driving, the intensity of the moon can be, can be quite intoxicating. I don't know why I keep seeing tarot cards and I feel like you're saying, don't embrace the energy of the fool card and take a leap of faith this month. Maybe embrace the energy of the hermit card and tuck in and reflect and meditate and process. Yes, I would, I would 100% say that that was accurate. I think that it's, it's, and pay attention to your dreams. Our intuitive abilities to tap into the, the psychic energy during full moon cycles, especially the eclipses, is blown wide open because our energetic field is being raised at a higher level. But also, our need for immediate action is also raised too, so it's kind of like this, this uh, sacred balance of listening for the messages making sure you know what you're doing in your heart and then going and moving forward and taking the plunge. Well, right now we have Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, Neptune, soon Mercury and Chiron all will be retrograding this summer. Is that more than average? Because that just feels like a lot to me. Yes, it's more than average, but, but they all tend to retrograde at the same time. Uh, Pluto and Pluto and Neptune are retrograde more often than not, and the the heavy outer lying planets retrograde for a longer period of time. So the fact that astrology has become more and more popular over the years that that those kinds of retrograde examples are you know being written about more. But I will say that because those those planets are in retrograde, it is a serious time of reflection. Because that's what we do when things are retrograde. When Jupiter's retrograde, uh, Jupiter is the planet of abundance, of good luck. You know, it's the, it's it's ruled by Sagittarius. It's in its home sign of Sagittarius. All the Sagittarians out there have had the Midas touch for the for the past year. When that retrogrades, it kind of gives us a moment to sort of like look at what we've accumulated and what we want to do with that, depending on what house it's in for folks. Uh, Saturn being retrograde. Saturn is a taskmaster planet, father time. 
the serious planet of the zodiac. It's ruled by Capricorn, and that is also a mutual reception. It is it is in uh, Capricorn right now. With that going backwards, it kind of like gets your boss off your back, so you can kind of enjoy. You don't feel so much pressure to get the things done because when we have Saturn in a sign, depending where it lands in your house, where it lands in your chart, it it puts a lot of pressure on getting things accomplished in that area. So with it going retrograde, it kind of gives us some breathing room to kind of look back at what we've what we've been doing and maybe what we want to do when it goes direct again. Pluto retrograde, that is kind of a welcome thing to see because Pluto is the planet of the underworld. It's ruled by Scorpio. There's nothing surface about Pluto. And there's no kidding Pluto because you can't hide anything from Pluto. You can't say you're feeling good to your mother-in-law when you're really stewing inside and, and venom's coming out your eyes when you're looking at her. Pluto makes all that stuff. It exposes all of it. So to have that retrograde kind of takes a little bit of um, pressure off of people. I love Pluto. Pluto and Saturn, as they're retrograding right now, they're actually conjuncting in um, Capricorn. And this is a, it happens every 30 years, but it's a very tumultuous time. So nothing is surface. And Pluto kind of, Pluto and Saturn, I'm, I'm kind of digressing off of this for a second, but Pluto and Saturn being together, it's testing the structures of the, of the things you've built in your life. So if you have built a house of cards, Pluto's not going to let it stand the test of time. So with both of these planets sort of retrograding right now, you know, if that happened, um, they're, they've met a couple of times in the la and, and they'll meet in uh, January of 2020 again on a direct hit. If you've had things crumble in a structure during these retrogrades, it's time to really reevaluate what your what your goals are, what your objective is, and why you're doing things. You know, because if you aren't doing things from a from a place of love, it'll never stand the test of time. And then with Neptune being retrograde. Wait, before you move on to Neptune, I have a question about Saturn and Pluto. Sure. What hasn't happened in thirty years? They, so every so um, every thirty years, Saturn and Pluto will meet each other in the sky. Uh, it takes 30 years for Saturn to travel um, around the sun. And so that's when they sort of rendezvous is every 30 years when they have an exact yeah. conjunction. They talk to each other at other places in the sky. They'll square each other when they're 90 degrees apart or they'll trine each other in certain places. But an actual conjunction, which is when they're in the same, same place in the zodiac, happens about every 30 years. Okay. And so during this time is when anything that is not rooted in love and founded in solid, good plans will be tested? Absolutely. Okay. And that I always like to use relationships as an example, because a lot of people will often think of that. But I mean, you could look at a relationship, you know, have you if you haven't been truthful to your partner, guess what? If you haven't been truthful to yourself, if you've been in a, a relationship that you've been pretending to go along the motions, guess what? If you've been in a, a, a you know, and this is, all, this is all depending on where this is in your chart. This is all about authenticity. And really, when we look at astrology and we look at life and we look at everything, living in a place of authenticity makes things happen and it makes things happen to a place where we're evolving. So Pluto just makes sure that, that we're not building a house of cards and planning on living in it. Okay. And so Saturn goes direct on September 18th. 
and Pluto goes direct on October 3rd. Yes, and they will meet, they will have their, they're within a five degree radius. Perfect conjunction is at zero degrees. So they're t they've been talking to each other. So it's really hard to have surface relationships during this time. And I think people can kind of relate to that comment. But when they go for their exact conjunction, it's going to be January 12th, 2020. And interestingly enough, not to jump too far ahead, the lunar eclipse in Cancer uh, in 2020 is on uh, January 10th. And that lunar eclipse is going, to, is going to be opposing that transit. So it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. That's going to be a time to, you know, depending on what it looks like in your chart, that's going to be a place to pay attention to. What I love is this correlates so closely with what's been coming up with people that I've been talking to recently. This sense of urgency, wanting to make the most of it, having no tolerance for things that aren't real and true. That has been such a pervasive theme over the last month. So I, I just find that fascinating that you're saying these build up and you're getting ready and all this energy is coming in. And I think as empaths and highly sensitive people, we tap into that and don't know what we're tapping into. So this kind of gives credence to a lot of the things that have been coming up for folks. Oh yeah, I, I highly agree with that. I mean, I can even, I, you know, as an empath myself, there just isn't any room for inauthenticity. Inauth you just, it's, it's go time now. And, and that, that's what it feels like. It feels like, you know, I've, maybe I've wasted, and I, I, a lot of other people can relate, maybe I've wasted time not doing what really lights me up and, 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 what, and what really my purpose is and what's my contribution to society through fulfilling myself. You know, it, it's, it's the perfect platform for us to really be able to honor ourselves. And now we have Neptune is also in retrograde. Now Neptune helps us strip away illusions. So what happens when this is in retrograde, which is June 21st to November 27th? So Neptune is our illusion planet. And so with it being retrograde, when it retrogrades, that's when we, that's when we um, strip away our illusions. So uh, Neptune is a mutual in a mutual receptive spot. It's in its home sign of Pisces. Neptune being retrograde is kind of like when we're daydreaming and whenever we have Neptune moving through a house in our, in our chart, we have all of these sort of like beautiful ideas of what we want to do, but not a lot of action. When Neptune starts to retrograde, we, it's almost like we have this moment of clarity and we are able to put these things into action. I love having Neptune in a sign because we're able to download and we're able to let our imagination go into these uh, often dreamy places that uh, life doesn't allow us to get to or to access. And then when it goes retrograde, we're able to put them to work for us. Okay, so I love that you're bringing up positive aspects to these retrogrades because so many times people like me hear oh, all these planets are in retrograde. And then I panic thinking that's not a good thing. But you're saying, no, no, there's a really good positive aspects to these retrogrades. Absolutely. I mean, you, you can always look at the glass as half empty or half full. We have to live through these. And every aspect that we have that happens in a planetary way can and, and should be used in a positive way. I mean, whenever anything is retrograding, it's a time for reflection. It's a time for going back over, seeing if, seeing if what we're doing lines up with what we want to do. If we start looking at things from a perspective of, oh my God, this is going to be really bad. 
we actually manifest what what we're thinking about and, and where and where we're at energetically. So if we're able to sort of utilize this energy in a way that's cohesive to help with our evolution. So the theme of a lot of the readings I've been doing this summer have been, I really want to change my job or I think I'm ready to shift out of this relationship or I'm feeling like I should move. And then I'll tell them, yeah, I'm picking up that you need to do A, B, and C. And then the client will say to me, I know, but I don't want to do A, B, and C. And I feel like what you're saying is with these, this combination of planets in retrograde, people aren't going to be able to get away with that anymore saying, yeah, I know I want change, but I don't really actually want to do anything to create the change. Exactly. And so planetary aspects are the catalyst for change. So when I, so when, when people talk about better watch out, that's the, you know, the negative aspect, right? I guess the negative aspect would be if you don't want to change, but you're really unhappy the universe is just going to make, it's just going to shake it up. So that way it does change. You know, karmically, we tell white lies in order to, in order to be caretakers, in order to make everything okay. That's just kind of a lot of, a lot of us, our background to, to smooth things over, to, to make things not be stressful. Let's just be the ones to make things okay. Well, that's not truth. And so when we start building our lives off of things that are not our soul's truth, they have to be removed. It's just how it is. You know, when people don't want to take the action to get out of that relationship or to leave their job, it is certainly done for them in a different way because you're just not leading your purposeful life. And they wouldn't be coming to you if, if that wasn't the case because they can feel it inside. Fear tends to make people do things that they probably wouldn't want to do if that makes any sense well sure and the energy that you're describing of jupiter i'm sorry of neptune going direct that sounds comforting at times let's live with rose-colored glasses sure <laughs> yeah exactly i love neptune it's such a piscean energy you think of like you know the 60s sort of flower child just you know in the beautiful rays of the sunshine and that's really a wonderful place to be, especially when you're trying to think of all the wonderful things that you want to bring into. A good example, I have um, in my personal chart, I have Neptune transiting my 10th house. And so while it's direct, a lot of things are coming in like, how do I want my career to look like? You know, what would be, you know, what would match my authenticity? What makes me feel good and fuzzy and all that stuff? And then when it goes, and now when it's retrograde, I have an idea of how I want, what I want to see, and now I have the moment to utilize it. And see, that's what I love about this, is you use astrology as a tool to guide the other influences in your life. It's not an end-all, be-all. Yes, and it's very important to, you know, you could do predictive astrology, but it really has to do with, you know, using the energies to work with us, because we're all energy. If we just learn how to sort of adapt to the tides, everything can work in your favor. So it's about making choices to, to utilize these energies rather than swimming against the current. Is to, and to and fighting feet up and flow. Yes. You know, when when we're determined to when we're determined to beat the tide, we'll certainly drown. <laughs> <laughs> So what can people expect when Uranus retrogrades in August? So Uranus is the planet of technology, of sudden change, sudden brilliance. I love the planet Uranus. One of my favorite planets. Um, you love them all, Jen. I mean, yeah, I know, right? They're all my babies. I can't just pick one. Um, but Uranus, uh, 
it, it rules the 11th house. The 11th house is social interactions. And the way that I read the 11th house, the um, house of manifestation and how we bring things into the world, how we bring our goals in, right in front of us. So when, when Uranus goes retrograde, you know, it kind of dulls our senses a little bit. I will say that um, because it sort of rules electronics, it probably wouldn't be a great idea even though Mercury is the messenger planet, Uranus does rule the internet. So it probably wouldn't be a great idea to, if you're going to purchase something that's electronic, make sure you have a really good warranty. But as for like, you know, as for those lightning fast ideas, it kind of like slows all those things down, which I think is really good. It might actually be a good time to do an internet detox while this is happening. And kind of remove yourself from the technological world. Everybody needs that less screen time. And that would be a, that would definitely be a wonderful time to do that. And that's a longer retrograde too. You know, if, if you wanted that to if you wanted that to work for you, say if you had like a website, maybe looking at how you can revamp it, what would look different? How could you make things work for you in the in the uh, arena of your friends, your contacts? What do you want to bring into your life? Anything that's 11th house worthy. So what about the last two I want to ask you about are Mercury and Chiron? Excellent. Mercury's our buddy. Mercury retrogrades three to four times a year, depending on where it leaves off and where it begins in the year. But we're, we're coming into a Mercury retrograde. We're actually in the shadow period. I don't know if people are aware. There, there's, a, there's a shadow period on either end of all retrogrades. Basically, the shadow period is where Mercury will sort of retrograde to and then go back forward over when it's direct. So, so we're in the shadow period, and, re and it starts retrograding on the 7th of July, and it runs until the 31st. And I think the end shadow period is until August 15th. Now, with Mercury retrograde, uh, it happens. Life goes on. We have to go to work. Things break down. We have to buy new stuff. It just has to happen. You can't, you can't always wait until after Mercury is direct to do things. But if you can, you probably should. Because it's about, it's about redoing, rethinking. All rewords are safe to do during this period of time. Doing anything new is not necessarily recommended. A good example, um, I, I used to work at this office and everybody thought I was the fruity astrologer. So they would always be like, oh, Jen, Mercury's retrograde. Should I do this? And um, someone put a brand new floor in against my judgment and, <laughs> and they had to have it redone because the measurements weren't, weren't done properly. Whenever Mercury's retrograding, um, Mercury is made out of iron. And so you think about it, it's a giant magnet going backwards in the sky. And so anything that has to do with logical thinking, signing documents, moving forward, um, that kind of stuff that you kind of want to uh, not do necessarily, but you should pay attention to like, you know, you could repaint your walls, you could relook at a contract that maybe you were looking at before and you don't necessarily agree with. That's all stuff that works towards our benefit. We'll have that retrograde energy in July and then it will retrograde at, at Halloween. Yes, on Halloween. And so, but which is good because you know what? It, it, it retrogrades the same times, generally around the same time uh, every year. I'm really happy that it did not get us December babies this year because usually I have a Mercury retrograde during my birthday. 
and I really would like to do something new this year. So, so it worked out in my favor. This one's going to be in Leo. Um, Leo rules the fifth house. So there's going to be a lot of like emphasis on creativity. What are you doing to be childlike in your life? What are you doing to, you know, create fun? You know, what is it that you're doing that, that doesn't involve work? If you think about it, like, are you just kind of like zoning out because, because you're so fried or, you know, it's important to kind of like do things that sort of invoke the childlike behavior that we had when we were children. The Mercury retrograde coming up in July, is it? I'm confused. Yeah, the, the one coming up in July is retrograding it into Leo. And Leo okay. rules. Yeah, and Leo rules the fifth house of the Zodiac, which is new love. So we'll probably get some old flames coming back into our lives. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> but it, it rules new love, uh, children, and creativity. So reevaluating, you know, whether or not you want to have children, maybe on on, on uh, folks' minds, or reevaluating um, what makes you creative or being creative again if you put it down for a while what what makes you happy like a child like what makes you what makes you have childlike wonder you know when we're in that place of childlike wonder you know our our vibration changes and we really start bringing in the stuff that we that we want to call in so one of the ways to navigate this this mercury retrograde would be to lighten up have more fun do some things that that really raise your vibration rather than getting too caught up in the linear sequential side of your brain. Absolutely. You know, should you sign the document, the answer is no. <laughs> Go have some fun instead. <laughs> oh, there will be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's July. It's a great time to try and get to the beach or a lake and just splash around and have fun and be a kid again. That's what summer's for. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's really the right atmosphere to do that, especially in the midst of these eclipses and the retrogrades. If you're planning on taking a vacation, July is a wonderful time to do that. And it gives you some space to be able to sort of allow all of those downloads to come in. Just double check your bookings, your reservations, all that stuff with Mercury and retrograde. That's it. Absolutely. You know, double check your bookings, double check your flights, make sure you have a list of what you're going to bring and bring the list with you. So you take it all back home with you. Those Mercury Survival Kit 101s. Exactly. One of the, one of the beautiful things about Mercury retrograde, though, is intuition goes off the chain. Psychic receptivity, intuition, sensitivity to, to spirit. It amps up so, so strongly during a Mercury retrograde. I always look forward to that. Yes, okay, it is, because it's great. Your, 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 your logical mind just completely shuts down, which makes you open to spirit. Yep. Okay, I have, a question. I have two questions about that. Mercury is my ruling sign as a Gemini, and when Mercury is retrograde, I don't feel amazingly intuitive. So whenever Mercury is retrograde, I always do less readings. Is that because I think that, or is that because it's my ruling sign? Did you start noticing something was, was off and then you did some investigation or yes. did you? Okay. So it, ha so it all, it's, it's different with each person and where it is your ruling sign, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect you more. It's also like that with Virgos. When you have the planet of information going backwards and you are a sign of information, then the way that you literally, you, even though you're an intuitive, you are taking things in on a linear level. 
So you're seeing things in a much different way. So the way that you process information is skewed, but the information is still coming in. So exactly. So what would be a, a good meditation for you is maybe finding a different way to receive the information on an objective level rather than on a linear level. That makes so much sense because when Mercury is retrograde, I rely more, when I do readings, I always meditate for quite a bit before each reading and I take notes and it just gives me like a jumping off point for when I get in front of the client. Mm -hmm. And during a Mercury retrograde, I have to take like a lot more notes so that I'll have a stronger jumping off point. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. It's like a different way of automatic writing almost. Now, yeah. my second question with Mercury retrograde, I had read years ago that if you were born during a Mercury retrograde, that throughout your life, Mercury retrogrades would have the opposite effect on you. And that is correct because I actually was born during a Mercury retrograde. And I have horrific stage fright, which is sort of funny because I do a lot of women's groups. Where, depending on where it lands, it, it hampers your speech as well. Um, and when Mercury is retrograde, I am in the flow of the universe, so to speak, um, with speaking engagements. Uh, I find that I'm able to articulate a lot better. And I do feel that that is true. The outer lying planets, I think when you always get back to your home destination of the planets, like if you're born with something in retrograde and something is retrograding, you're, you're getting into your home groove, even where the phase of the moon that you were born at is, is, the, is the time when you really shine. So I feel like when anything is sort of mimicking what's going on in your birth chart, it, it makes that area of your chart sort of light up and makes you at your best functioning, your best, your personal best. And if anyone's listening going, well, how do I know? You can just Google Mercury retrograde periods and then the year of your birth. And oh, you'll, yeah. You'll find it. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, the, the internets, it's such a lovely invention. Thank you, Uranus. Yes. <laughs> now, what about Chiron? Yes, the wounded healer, everybody's favorite. Chiron is, I, I love Chiron. When Chiron retrogrades, it kind of gives us a little bit of a break. Uh, Chiron is the wounded healer. It's kind of like the mother wound. It's not necessarily that your mother was the reason for this wound. It's just that it's the wound of all wounds. And it runs so, 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 so deep. Um, depending on where Chiron lands in your chart and the sign that it's in really sort of uh, gives you an understanding of where your deep insecurities lie. I'm using my chart as an example because I'm an open book. But, you know, a lot of people that are my age and they're early to mid 40s are, are in the are experiencing their Chiron return. When you wherever Chiron lands, I, I have Chiron in my uh, 11th house, which means that uh, I had trouble communicating with with friends when I was younger. So my my Achilles heel would be communication in groups. And so over the past 40 years before it returned, I authentically learned to be myself and came back into finding my tribe. So, you know, Chiron is all about healing that wound and then in your own authenticity, in the face of rejection and coming out the other end like the Phoenix. So when we have it retrograding, it kind of gives us a moment to sort of look at what do we fear? Why are we fearing this? Depending on what house it is landing for you, you know, it could look completely different. 
you know, if it was going through your fifth house of children and creativity and new love, you know, if it starts going backwards, we're talking about transit Chiron. If it starts, when it, when it retrogrades, you could be looking at why am I fearful of having a family and bringing children into the world? Why am I fearful of moving forward and finding new love? Why am I fearful of, of being creative in my true authenticity, it all goes back to fear. So when it goes forward again, when we go ahead and it goes direct, we're able to sort of heal those places so we can live in our authentic self as it moves forward. So it's kind of like healing those wounds in every house that it lands. That's big work. It is big work and it takes a long time. You know, I've had a lot of people, a lot of clients that are in the age bracket where they're coming on to their Chiron return and they haven't done the work. And those buttons are getting pushed again. And they're turning into that six-year-old child that has those hurts and they're reacting to it. Because, you know, if we don't do the work as we get older and we just kind of become the big protector of that wound, the wound's still there. And so when we come back to our Chiron return, it's like, you know, someone starts pushing those buttons again and then we have no choice but to heal it. So it sounds like this is a summer to tuck in, reflect, really examine your life and where you are and what you want it to be going forward. Would the fall then be a good time to start taking action on what is gleaned during the summer? I would say September is going to be a really good time to start initiating things um, after we come out of the summer. I think you'll find by the beginning of the new year in 2020, people are going to be in a completely different place than they were this summer. I think that your assumption is accurate. I think the initiation period will be somewhere between, for people, they will feel the call, will be somewhere between September and Halloween. So you brought up a lot during, during the conversation about how it lands in your chart. What would be a benefit for our listeners to get a personal reading? What could they gain from having their chart read? Or could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I love to sort of help people discover how they work and how they think. Um, You know, an intuitive reading um, helps people sort of navigate what what their purpose is and what resonates with them. If you have uh, a retrograde planet going through a a house in your chart and you're and you're not quite people will oftentimes can be like what's going on I don't understand and I'll pull up their birth chart and I'll be able to see that their son is squaring Saturn and this is a really difficult time and they're making some really difficult choices and it kind of gives you some relief in some aspect that they're not going crazy and that this is something that they can work with and they can work through the benefit of having the knowledge that Saturn is in your seventh house can help you sort of work with that energy with relationships or or any aspect of your life. Uh, a lot of times I do a lot of life purpose things with people. We talk about where their north node lands. And it helps them sort of guide them to to the direction that they've been feeling inside, but they weren't sure. They were too afraid to go forward. So there, there's a lot of like initiation and there's a lot of validation that, that happens when people have their birth birthday. And they always are, they always are feeling sort of, when you feel validated about how you've been your entire life and it's sitting there on paper, that there, there's something that's very gratifying about that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, and it's wonderful to watch people see, you know, how beautiful their charts are. It, it's so, everybody's chart is different. It's your astrological fingerprint. It's the moment that you entered this plane of existence 
and it's a it's a beautiful thing to look at. See, I love the fact that you don't make any of this fear based. The way you just described that of the benefits, but also how unique it is to you that you can't say, "Oh, I'm." A, you and I are both Sagittarians, but we're very different Sagittarians in a lot of way. And I think that that when you get in, and in some ways we're so alike, it's scary. <laughs> but but I think that finding those nuances that they put out the little Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs for you to say, okay, it is a good time for me to make this choice or to, so that to navigate these energies, but also find that, that sense of self and that empowerment within. I agree. And, you know, one, one of, the, um, one of the, the great things about the birth chart is that your rising sign really is how you present yourself to the world, but it's also the horoscope that you end up reading. There's a lot of people that give up on astrology because they'll read the horoscope in the paper and it's totally wrong. And, you know, that's the end all be all of astrology for them. But you could have two Sagittariuses and one has a Cancer rising and one has an Aquarius rising. And one Sagittarius is going to have a completely different horoscope because of the rising sign difference. On your website, thankgoddess.org, you have three different sessions that you offer, correct? Yes. I, I offer the, the, the sessions that I offer for astrology only are over Zoom, and um, they can be done. I have a lot of international clients, so they can be done in-state, out-of-state. And the, the three sessions that I have are, there's a moon phase session that I do, that helps people sort of manifest what they want to bring into their lives using the phases of the moon and their birth chart because it's unique to everybody. And uh, I help people find their life's purpose. There is one called the soul reveal at virtual, uh, which we would do online coaching on helping you feel gratified in what you're doing and finding your life's purpose. A lot of people are starting to realize that um, what they're doing isn't what they're meant to be doing. And then the third one is a lunar trend. So it's kind of like a six-month forecast of what's going to be happening in your life and in, in, in the stars in your chart. Perfect. That sounds so wonderful and a great place for people to learn more about how all of this energy is going to affect them personally. So that's thankgoddess.org. Are there any other events or upcoming things you'd like to mention? I will be in Berwick, Maine at the Wild Vibe Festival, and that'll be on July 27th. There's information at wildvibes.com about that. that that's a, it's a big meetup if you're in the local area. I'm combining forces with Nomadic Maine Wellness, doing a uh, Sawain uh, witch camp up at Snowbird Lodge in Harrison, Maine. It's going to be a weekend retreat over Sawain. We're going to start on November 1st. And then we will conclude on November 3rd. We're going to be doing uh, workshops, foraging, enchanted candle making. We're also going to be doing guided meditation. I believe I'm going to be uh, talking about grimoires. We're going to be building those from an astrological perspective. So if you've ever wanted to utilize the elementals of, of the earth into your practice and into manifestation, this is something you definitely want to check out. I think I gave you guys the link, but the link will also be on Thank Goddess as well. I think we're running an early bird special until September, but that's going to be an amazing retreat if anybody is in the area or, or wants to come up. Be in contact because it's, it's going to be wonderful. And you offer a lot of in-person stuff as well, including Reiki and lots of facials and all sorts of great aromatherapy things as well. Well, I don't know if aromatherapy is the right word. How, how would you describe your in-person? 
So thank goddess is a plant-based skincare and soul apothecary. So I use the, I use the vibrational elements of mother earth on your skin and get you to a relax, like sort of like a relaxed state of being much like the French use bread for a vehicle for cheese. I use uh, aesthetics as a vehicle for energy medicine. So I can get deeply down into your energy field after doing this wonderful body work and facial. When you leave the idea is for you to feel beautiful from the inside out. You're at, I'm working with the vibration of love. And so when people leave, they really aren't sure what just happened, but they are, they are in a place of, of, of pure bliss and joy. And a lot of wonderful things happen. I always tell people, you know, if you can maintain this feeling for as long as you can, come back and um, when oh, you can, I I'll, you, I'll put you right back to where you need to be. That is wonderful. Quick, quick little thing is Jen's space is an absolute sanctuary. When you walk in there, you immediately feel very comforted, safe. It's a beautiful, beautiful atmosphere that she's produced to do this work. Well, thank you, Denise. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's well, you, can, <laughs> you can feel that across the lines. <laughs> <laughs> and Denise is also, you know, if anybody's ever in South Portland, that's where, that's where the Grateful Messenger does readings on Sundays. I love having her there. You're, you're, you're oh. such a joy to have in my Thank you, sweetie. Oh, I love it. Share the love, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed this hour with us and Jennifer Edwards. Please check her out at thankgoddess.org. We will put the links to all of that in our show notes, and I'll make a link for our Facebook page as well. We hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Don't forget, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.